You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. How y'all doing? We got Minnesota. Thanks for checking in. Type in the comments where you're checking in from so that we know. And um, while you're all getting loaded up here, let's go ahead and get my introduction in just in case you're new to my ministry. My name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. And today's Walk Talk title is Why Do We Celebrate Christmas? So I think this is going to be a really good Walk Talk. It's really going to help you out if you're confused as to why we celebrate Christmas. And you might already know but it has really turned into a commercialized holiday and there's actually a lot of arguing over when Christmas Day, when the birth of Jesus actually was. So today I'm gonna go over, why do we celebrate Christmas? So I hope it's gonna, hope it's gonna help you out today. We got Montana, California, Nepal, Maryland, Texas. Thanks for checking in. So my name is Matt McMillan. I am a Christian author. I've written seven books. All my books are available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. If you get some time, check them out. I think they will really help you understand who you are and who Christ is and who you guys are together. All right. Um, I also have a podcast. I'm recording the latest episode live on Instagram. The name of my podcast is Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. It is available on every major podcast platform. Um, now, at the end of every year, today, at the time of me recording this, today is December 24th. So just to give you, in case you're listening in the future on the podcast, today is the day before Christmas. Okay. Now, um, I get a year-end podcast review from the uh, podcast company that is mostly used by most podcasters. And um, it was very encouraging statistics. So I wanna thank you guys for you know just making this really uh, encouraging for me and, and paying attention to my walk talks. It really helps me and gives me that boost to continue to do these walk talks. So thank you so much. All right, now, if you wanna go back and listen to any of my past podcast episodes, and you're new to my ministry, you can search Walk Talks with Matt McMillan on every major podcast platform. You can go back and listen to all my past Walk Talks. I'm over 200 episodes now. Check it out. I think you'll enjoy it if you want to have your mind renewed to what Jesus actually accomplished. All right. If you're listening to the podcast, pause the podcast, leave me a quick review and come back if you wouldn't mind. Also, if you read any of my books, please go back to Amazon, leave me a quick review and um, that would be very encouraging to me. All right. I'm also on YouTube. A lot of these things that I talk about, it brings up new questions. I get that. So if you want to go into any other topic that you are curious as to what I've done, go to my YouTube channel. I have indexed everything nice and neat. So you can search any major topic. You can search any major Bible verse, any Bible verse that I've done a walk talk on. You can search it. I think I can help you out. And when I say I think I can help you out, the only thing I'm going to do is point you back to what Jesus accomplished. <laughs> I know it's a wild idea. I know, but Jesus makes everything so simple and Jesus will bring your confidence level off the charts. Not me. <laughs> All I'm going to do is point to him. And while I'm pointing to him, I'm going to express him because he also lives in here. 
okay so um, if you are interested in any of any particular topic you can search my YouTube channel or you can go to the topics page on my website I've been writing for years you can read anything that I've written for free on my website now while you're on my website sign up for the free daily devotional just go to the free newsletter newsletter tab put in your name and email address and I'll send you a daily devotional every day um, if you're listening on the podcast, you can actually pause the podcast. I've got a link in the show notes to sign up for the daily devotional. All right. Oh, one other thing. Please don't message me on social media. Typically do not interact with those. To get a hold of me, go to my website, go over to the contact page. I'll be glad to interact with you there. All right. So let's get to today's walk talk. Why do we celebrate Christmas? <laughs> okay. Now, this could go down a theological road, which is just not necessary. And that's another red flag. If you are involved in any type of ministry or church or you're following an individual where stuff just seems really, really complicated, it's probably riddled with a lot of error. You know, this is such an easy message to understand. Little kids can understand it. So if it gets super complicated, we're trying to use big words, and we're trying to appear professorial or, or appear whatever, none of that posturing is necessary. Boy, it is a beautiful day today. Goodness gracious. <laughs> and I hate the cold weather. <laughs> um, and it is absolutely gorgeous today. So thank you, God. <laughs> no wind. It's warm. Um, I'm just loving this. So this might be a longer walk talk than normal because I'm not fighting the wind. I'm not freezing. So we'll see how this goes. But if the message about Christmas gets super theological, just pump your brakes, let the people have their opinion about it <laughs> and just understand there's a lot of stuff that's just, you're like, who cares? To be honest with you, who cares? So let's talk about that today. When I say who cares, I'm not saying be like passive aggressive or uh, condescending. I'm saying let people have their opinions. Unless they're asking you <laughs> for your opinion, you know, or if they're rebutting you on your social media profile or wherever, um, keep your opinions to yourself. And if you do express your opinions, do it gently and respectfully. That's how people will ultimately know that the Holy Spirit lives in you. Okay, so when we get to this topic of Christmas, it can upset some people. Um, first of all, there are certain groups who say we shouldn't celebrate it. So I'm not even going to go over that today. <laughs> okay, but there are other groups who vehemently stand on December 25th is the day Jesus was born, Christmas Day. So I want to talk about that before I get into why we celebrate Christmas, because it's a topic that is a popular topic. I get it. I did a TikTok and a reel the other day where I talked about when is, uh, why do we celebrate Christmas or was Jesus born on December 25th? Now, if you watch that reel or that TikTok, you will see I said more than likely. So if I say more than likely, it's not a hill that I'll stand on. Okay. It's just something that I'm talking about. And some people take offense because they want you to, they want you to stand on certain hills and die on those hills. I'm not doing it, <laughs> okay? Unless we're talking about your complete forgiveness and your complete righteousness, I'm just gonna 
let you know what I've learned so far. Take it or leave it. I might be wrong. How about that? <laughs> How about that? So we don't need to fight tooth and nail over these uh, things that don't really matter. Okay. So, but I'm going to talk about this thing that matters to some pe people uh, briefly here before I get into why we celebrate Christmas. And that is, why do we celebrate it on December 25th? Okay. Now, and just, just to answer it, we celebrate it because of Constantine. So the Roman emperor in the fourth century, Constantine, who was the most famous, powerful person on the planet, declared this time of the year and December 25th, Christmas. That's where it comes from. Okay. Now, Constantine struggled with tons of paganism, which is anything that is non Christian, anything that is non of Yahweh originally, and also Roman imperialism. Okay. Was he a Christian? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. That's not, nobody knows if somebody else is a Christian. <laughs> you guess all you want, judge all you want. But the reality is, if you've ever trusted in Jesus once in your lifetime by grace, you're a Christian. Deal with it. If you don't believe that, you should really question your own salvation and then repent towards grace. All right. But when it comes to Constantine establishing December 25th as the official Christmas day, he started this. Now he combined the winter solstice celebration, which is pagan, non-Christian, in with the birth of Jesus. He combined lots of things <laughs> which have nothing to do with scripture, have nothing to do with the gospel because he's a human being. He's human like me, flesh and blood, like you, flesh and blood. He wasn't greater than anybody else. He wasn't lower than anybody else, but he was rich and famous and powerful. Now, when things happen in history by rich, famous, powerful people, tradition of men begins to set in. Tradition is simply something that you're practicing that somebody practiced before you. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's the truth. Okay. Now, some, some other things that Constantine established, and I'm not saying don't celebrate Christmas. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this is where it came from originally. There were some other things that Constantine established, such as buildings as places of worship. There are no places of worship in scripture on this side of the cross for those who have believed. As a matter of fact, Hebrews 10, 26, many people will throw this in the face of Christians, but this is actually directed at the Hebrew people who were trying to go to the temple, a air quotes, holy place of worship to receive forgiveness. There's no sacrifice for sins left there. Christ was the final sacrifice. There is no holy place of worship on this side of the cross. You got to deal with that. There is no house of God on this side of the cross. Scripture actually teaches us that you are the house of God. We see this twice in the book of Hebrews. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We see this twice in 1 Corinthians. So Constantine's obsession with pagan temples, he created Christian temples, which created places of worship. Now, before this, it was happening, yes, but it was official when he came into power. So that's one thing. Another thing he established is this top-down authority system of the clergy laity. There is no top-down authority system on this side of the cross. Jesus even told the disciples, it will not be like this among you. You will not lord over one another. You're brothers and sisters. 
But when you go to a place of worship, which is error, I'm not even against you going to a place, but I'm saying that place is not a place of worship. <laughs> we worship everywhere. We worship in spirit and truth because the spirit is in us. So when you go into a place, you are not doing anything to become more holy or experience anything holy because of a place. You might have emotions, it might smell good, might have some good music, but that actually started <laughs> with the early church fathers as well. I'm not going down that rabbit hole today. If you want to know more about this, go to my YouTube channel, search church history, search Constantine, search church fathers. I go over all of it. But I just want to touch on a couple things that Constantine established besides Christmas, which are error. So you got the places of worship. You got the clergy laity distinction where you got somebody in charge up here and then you're down here. Sit down, shut up, be quiet or leave. Okay, it was established solidified through Constantine's reign. He also came up with the sermon, which is spoken by one person on the stage once a week. There was actually a bishop's chair <laughs> from Roman imperialism put into these pagan temples, which were turned into Christian temples. Constantine started that. There's nothing in scripture where there's one person up front or anywhere in charge of anything in the body of Christ. We are a body. We are a group. First Corinthians 14 says we are a body with many members. Okay. Constantine started that as well. Nobody gives sermons in the Bible. Did people preach? Yeah. Preach simply means to speak. Doesn't mean sermon. It means speak. There was even a donkey that spoke. Pastors don't give sermons. Pastors, there's not a single instance of a pastor even speaking in scripture. So every Bible verse that you're thinking of, you would have to superimpose the tradition of men that you've been taught in your lifetime onto the Bible to come up with whatever type of rebuttal you have. Because we are a group, we are a body, everyone is vital. There's only one head. Paul told the Colossians, Christ is the head of the church. So error, which came from the early church fathers, which was solidified through Constantine and then really put into place during the Reformation, the 16th century, when Martin Luther did his spinoff, when Martin Luther did his spinoff from the Catholic church, he didn't change much. He just put a different cap on it. He put the pastor in charge. He said, you can't know God unless you go and you hear a pastor speak once a week. That's not in the Bible. You know God because of the spirit within you. How do they know God before that? <laughs> Think about it. It's the spirit. Okay, so that's another error Constantine established. Another error would be entry music for people in charge at church. <laughs> I'm not against that either, but you know, you go to the church. Oh, I can't wait for the best part. Pastor's going to be here. He's going to give his message. We're just going to be fed. All of that is from Constantine and the Reformation because it's not in the Bible. There is only one section of the scriptures which describe our gatherings. Just one. Just one. 1 Corinthians 11 through 14. Read that. That is the only part of the Bible in the New Testament which describes our gathering as the ecclesia. That's it. Everything else, if you want to say this is church or how to do church, you, you are actually putting your opinions 
onto the Bible based on the tradition of men that you've been taught. This will cause anger, <laughs> frustration, you'll be ostracized, but you'll be enjoying your freedom. Okay, tradition dies hard. <laughs> and once you understand the freedom that Christ actually died to give you, it's either going to, you're going to exhale or you are going to go on a tirade in order to prove that this is wrong. <laughs> I decided to go with the exhale because I've done it the other way. Oh, trust me. If it was set up the other way, I would outwork you. I would beat you. I would be better than you. I would send less. I would do more stuff. You're not going to beat me. I'll do much better than you. I won't be like you. I'll be better. But it's not like that. <laughs> There's no doing to be better at. Jesus did all of that. So now, like Hebrews chapter 4 says, we get to enter this rest. We rest from our work in the same way that God rested from his work when we strive to enter the rest found in faith alone in Jesus. All right. So those are just a handful of things. Again, I have gone over all of this church history stuff ad nauseum. So go back and listen to my past podcasts. Watch my past YouTube videos. I think I can help you out. Okay. But why do we celebrate Christmas? You know, we just talked about where it came from. Okay. If you're just joining me, I'm live right now. Sorry, you can't rewind it, but you, you can watch this in the future. It'll be on my YouTube channel and on my podcast, Walk Talks with Matt McMillan. But also, many people argue over the actual day. So when is the actual day? Because the Bible doesn't say December 25th is the day that Jesus was born. It does not say that. So we know why we see December 25th based on what I just went over. But many people, they don't believe that or they actually will fight tooth and nail to say, no, this is the day. But when we go to the Bible, we've got some clues. My personal opinion, and again, like I said in the beginning, this is not a hill that I will die on. My personal opinion is he is born in the springtime based on Luke's account of the gospel. So in Luke chapter two, he said, the shepherds were out at night protecting their sheep, <coughs> overseeing their flock at night. What was the only time of the year where shepherds had to stay out at night to protect their sheep? the springtime. This is called lambing season, L-A-M-B-I-N-G, lambing season. So if they were out protecting their lambs, and lambing season is only from like February to late February to uh, late April, Jesus was probably born within that time frame, okay? Because when they were breeding the rams with the ewes, that always happened in the fall. It was a deliberate breeding process. And then they would expect their lamb in the springtime. Okay? That's the best, <laughs> that's the best, best, 
best hypothesis I can come up with as to, you know, I was talking about, talking about this with Grace the other, the other day, my daughter, and she's like, when was he born? I was like, I don't know, probably spring based on Luke two. Okay. Based on the lambing season. And I posted this on social media and somebody said, Oh no, I breed lambs and we eat lambs all year long. And we, I get it. <laughs> you can, <laughs> a, a ram and a you can, you know, breed any time of the year. You put them together, they're going to do it. So if, if you want to have some lamb chops, you know, and it's the middle of summer and you want to have some lamb, lamb chops, uh, you know, this winter, breed them. But according to the lambing season for this region of the world, springtime was when that happened. Okay. Springtime. Uh, again, I don't really give a rip. <laughs> All I know is it happened. Some people say, oh no, it's September. Oh no, it, it's, it's May. Okay. It, that's okay. If you want to believe that, I'm fine with that. I'm, I'm okay with that. But what I think is springtime. All right. Take it or leave it. Who cares? <laughs> All right. But why do we celebrate Christmas? It's not because of a particular day. It's because the Messiah was born. The literal word of God, Logos, who has no beginning, has no end became flesh and bone like me, like you. And he had to because God had given dominion of this physical planet over humanity. Therefore, God cannot go back on his own promise, his own word. So rather than scrap this whole thing, he wrote himself into human history to live the life that I could never live, you could never live, nobody could ever live, perfectly, never have the power of sin in him, never struggle with the flesh, tempted in every single way. And then he took on the punishment of every single sin, of every single human, ever. Death. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. You know, I get accused quite often of going light on sin. No, 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 no. I say every sin deserves death. What do you say? Humans want to gauge sins. Oh, that's not that, that's not that bad. Oh, that's a little bit worse. Oh, that's the worst of the worst. God won't forgive that. No, 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 no. <laughs> that is taking sin lightly. I am saying every single sin you will ever commit, not only that, the power of sin, which you were inherently born with because you were born from Adam, deserves death. Not your repentant behavior. Your repentant behavior is not good enough. You got to be perfect like God. Not your repeated confession. Your words are not good enough. Death is the requirement. That's why Jesus came. To do that. To live the life 
<laughs> pay the penalty and then come back to life. So here's what I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna go over three primary reasons why we can celebrate the birth of Jesus. Because why do we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate Christmas because of the birth of Jesus. <laughs> so I'm gonna talk about three reasons why we can celebrate the birth of Jesus. Of course, there are countless reasons, but I'm gonna talk about three today that I've picked out, which are important to me, and they might mean something to you as well. So the first reason, I'm gonna here, here are the three. I'm gonna tell you what the three are. If you're used to my walk talks, you know that I typically do this. I'll tell you what the three are, and then I'm gonna break down each three, okay? Based on scripture. <laughs> okay. The reason we celebrate Christmas is because God wanted to save us from our sins. Number one, the reason we celebrate Christmas is because God wanted to save us from our sins. All right, number two, the reason we celebrate Christmas is because God loves us so much. Number two, the reason we celebrate Christmas is because God loves us so much. And then number three, the reason we celebrate Christmas is because God wanted to show us who he was really like in person. Yeah, we're going to talk about that today. Across the road here, I got a jogger right in front of me. So, actually, she turned around, so I'm going to go back to this side. <laughs> it's a nice day, guys. I really don't even need to be bundled up. I was I was bundling up today, and I was like, hmm, I think it's a little warm out there. Um, but it's, it's a beautiful day. Okay, so number one, the, re the, the reason why we celebrate Christmas, number one, the first reason on this list, of course, there are countless reasons, but I'm just going to go over three today. I think it's going to help you refocus on why Jesus was born. Because we are ultimately celebrating the birth of Jesus. Okay, so number one, the reason we can celebrate the birth of Jesus is because God wanted to save us from our sin. Now we see in Matthew 1.21, an angel appears. And he says, she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, why would he say his people? Many people <laughs> who believe that Jesus only came to save the Jews will go to this section of scripture and they'll say, no, right here, the angel appeared, said, you will give him the name Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Well, that's true. And the reason why he had to come to save his people is because the old covenant was still in effect. Now, if we fast forward to the cross, the dividing line of hostility, which was between his people, original people, who he was born from, who God decided to come in as a meat bag, <laughs> the Hebrew line, what Jesus did at the cross tore down that dividing line. So now you got the Hebrew people and you got the Gentiles. I'm a Gentile. I was not included with the old covenant. The old covenant was between God and Israel. It was established in Exodus 24. Okay. Israel is the people group whom Moses had just freed from slavery in Egypt. It was put into play with animal blood. Moses said, this is a covenant between you and God. 
Okay, now, they were his people at that time. This is why you, when you go to the Old Testament scriptures, it was a trade-off system. God said, if you do this, I will do that. I will bless you with great health and wealth. This is why the prosperity preachers go back into the Old Covenant, pull stuff out, and say, look, if you do this, God will give you stuff. <laughs> it doesn't work like that on this side of the cross. Before the cross, it did. But the problem with that covenant was the people's inability to live up to their end of the bargain. They were already breaking the first commandment before the ink had even dried. And something new had to come. Something to replace that covenant. So, so many people who don't understand the difference in the covenant still say, oh no, God never changes. I agree. God does not change. So this is the same God, but a new covenant. So this same God brought in the new covenant. This is why Jesus said at the last supper, he echoes what was said in Exodus 24 when he said, this is the blood of the covenant in my name, the forgiveness of sins. So he is foretelling what is about to happen through his blood at the cross. So when the angel said he will save his people from their sins, yes, he will. But he will also save the people who were not involved with the first covenant. So the new covenant is based on the father and the son. We see this in Hebrews chapter six, two unchangeable parties who cannot lie. Israel can lie. I can lie. The father and the son won't. And what did they promise to each other? to remember our sins no more, to write his laws, not law, on your heart and mind. God does not write 613 commandments on your heart and mind. He writes his very own character, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We see this in Galatians chapter five, when he says against such things, there is no law. You cannot legislate who God is through you. You can legislate all the thou shouts. So this celebration of Jesus being born was Jesus saving his people from their sins, but also us, those who are not Jewish. And even the Jewish people who refused to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, they were cut off. The entire book of Hebrews is directed at them. Just because you were born Jewish does not mean you are saved. Hebrews 10, 26, 27, 28, 29, and 30 give them a firm rebuke. <laughs> the whole book of Hebrews. Unbelief in the Messiah will cause you to be separated from God. So, and we also see in the book of Romans that they are cut off. We the, a Gentile is grafted into the tree of life, but they are the original shoot. They can be regrafted in, but they would have to repent toward the law, toward Christ alone, have no relationship with the law whatsoever. Many people go to that section of scripture and say, oh no, we're grafted into Israel. No, no, the Israelites are cut off. They're grafted into the believers. <laughs> once they've trusted in Jesus. This is why we have certain Israelites who wail at an old wall in Jerusalem, sticking notes in the crack, begging Yahweh to send the real Messiah because they don't believe that's Jesus. They're cut off. They have no way to receive forgiveness. That's why they want the third temple to be built. <laughs> 
and there's no sacrifice remaining for sins at at any individual building. Christ was the once for all sacrifice. Galatians chapter 4 says, at the right time, God sent his son. Born of a woman. There you have it right there. As a human. But also born under the law. So you got, he's saving the Israelites from being born, or excuse me, from, yeah, from being born <laughs> as an Israelite. So he's saving his people, but he's also saving us. It's, but we, this is why Paul says there is neither Jew nor Gentile. We are all one in Christ. So we have to stop this whole issue that's going on over in the air quote, holy land. There is no holy land. There's some holy stuff that happened there, but that's not the holy land. There is no geographical holy land. That was jettisoned when Christ spilled his blood on Golgotha. But this whole ideology of God hand selecting certain ethnic groups now is complete error. <clears throat> Why? Because Christ not only died for them, but he also died for the sins of the world. 1 John 2, 2 says, he is the propitiation for our sins, but not just our sins, the sins of the whole world. John was a Jew. He went to the temple once a year to receive forgiveness. So he's saying, hey, it's not just for us. <laughs> it's for the whole world. Now, many of those who are in the universalism camp or inclusionism camp, they'll go to this passage and say, see, everybody's saved. You've got nothing to worry about. He says right here, the whole world. Well, you still have to believe. There are way too many warnings in scripture to actually believe. <laughs> For God so loved the world, he gave his son. Whosoever believes, God will not force you to believe in the Messiah. You must trust him. And many people have turned belief into a work, sadly. Especially in churches. <laughs> it's not enough to just trust Jesus. Even the demons believe. And then they'll go to something that James said, when in reality, this is a completely different Greek word for believe. The even the demons believe passage is a knowing that. As in, that's the Messiah. We know that. But they don't have the ability to put confidence and trust in Jesus. So when you look at the Greek word for believe in John 3.16, and you look at the Greek word for believe in James 2.19, you will see a completely different Greek word. And the reason why is they don't have the reason, they don't have the ability to believe for salvation. That's the difference. But Satan sticks his foot in the door, <laughs> lets people, let's, <laughs> I'm not even going to say it. It is the devil. It is the demonic world who wants you to think that you got to mix in some type of works to prove something with God. And that is an enemy of the cross. Why? Christ. Even before the law was put into place, the righteous have always lived by faith. Okay. So the reason why we can celebrate the birth of Jesus 
is because he wanted to not only save his people from their sins, but also me from my sins, you from your sins. He would remember your sins no more, past, present, and future sins. Yes, and future sins. Yes, and future sins. You could literally sin every second of the day until the day you die. That will not superabound the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus is the only way you could possibly be forgiven. Is he shedding his blood on a cross in heaven every time you sin? No, he is not. It's finished. All of your sins were in the future when Christ died. Hebrews chapter 1 says, after providing purifications for sins, he sat down. So you have to deal with your forgiveness when you sin. Yo, you're just slapping Jesus in the face. No, you're not slapping him in the face. He died. Death. So what should I do when I sin? Uh, turn from it. <laughs> How about that? But you're not turning from it to receive more forgiveness. Why? Christ will not die again. If this could be the, the message I preach until I die, it is, you do not stop sinning to receive forgiveness. That would mean you're only forgiven until you sin again. That would overlook everything that Christ did at the cross. Deal with it. If you think that you are stopping a sin for God to forgive you, you are ultimately ignoring the forgiveness that you've already received at the cross because you've trusted in Jesus. Oh, trust me. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I made deals with God for years. And then I finally came to the realization. Hebrews 9.22 says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Christ is not going to die again by one offering. I have been forgiven, sanctified, made holy, glorified. Everything that Christ is, I have it because of the cross. Oh, but you're just telling people to sin. Where do I say that? I never tell people to sin. I actually, I try to be overly clear with this because I know sometimes I know the truth and I just don't talk about it as much. I tell people, repent, turn from it. But you're never doing that to receive more forgiveness. Because Christ would have to die again. Yeah, but 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, no, that's not a repeated confession for repeated forgiveness. This is directed at sin deniers. 1 John 1, 9 is not written as 1 John 1, 9. It was written as a full letter. Therefore, you have to read the full letter to get the context. John is battling Gnostics who are coming into this young group of Christians and saying, first of all, Jesus did not come in the flesh. That's why he starts out saying, I touched him. They also said sin is not a real thing. You guys are making that up. <laughs> That's why he says, if we say we have no sin, the truth is not in us. Who is the truth? Jesus. Where is Jesus? Here, the truth is in you. Therefore, if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all. All means all. All. It is not a repeated confession for repeated forgiveness. The original Greek word simply means to agree with. So we are agreeing. Yep, I need forgiveness. Yep, Jesus came in the flesh. 
You are forgiven of all your sins. The next chapter, he says, he is the propitiation. Propitiation means satisfy and sacrifice. John went to the annual day of atonement to receive forgiveness before the cross. Do you think he would go to get forgiveness once a year through an animal to confession by confession by confession? Absolutely not. <laughs> that overlooks what Christ has done. That makes Christ of no value. So if you're going to confess, that's good. Confess it. Move along, move past it, learn, mature, grow. But you are not repeatedly confessing to receive repeated forgiveness. This is not a little polishing of the, the, the smaller confessions. Yeah, yeah, you got to come. These are, these are uh, venial up here. These are mortal. You're screwed if you're up here. None of that garbage. It is an agreeing with. And he's saying we as a soft we. It's, it's a kind way of saying you. <laughs> it would just be like, you know, if, uh, you know, Grace is growing up and she's little and Jennifer's cooking dinner and it's 530 and she gets into the cookie jar and she gets a cookie out and she starts eating the cookie. And I walk up to her and I say, hey, we don't have cookies before dinner, do we? No, we don't. Let's put the cookie back. You can have it after dinner. We don't do that. Is it me eating the cookie? No, but I'm trying to be sweet to this person so I don't hurt their feelings while I correct them. It's the same thing John is doing here. Okay? Love you. <laughs> but if you don't like this, then you just don't like what Christ accomplished. You need to deal with that. Because you would, you would be doing something about your sins. And you would fit in nicely with the book of Hebrews <laughs> if you've never trusted in him. All right, let's go on to number two, the second reason why we celebrate Christmas. The second reason why we celebrate the birth of Jesus, <laughs> because that's what this is. It's a celebration of the birth of Jesus. All right, number two, we can celebrate Christmas or we celebrate Christmas because God loves us so much. If God didn't love us, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. You know, the atheistic community, the, the uh, antagonistic atheistic community, they hate God. <laughs> I'm not talking about agnostics where they're just like, there might be something. But the atheistic community who are aggressive, who refute, attempt to refute me, I don't really get into it with them, I just let them have their opinions, they are mad at God. If God was so good, why does he let this happen? If God was so good, why would he? Like, man, you're sure ticked off about a God that you don't think's real. <laughs> the reason why bad things happen is because God has given us the ability to make choices. When you love, you give people freedom. If you go to a church, which is an extremely legalistic community, you don't feel any love. You don't receive any love. Why? Because you don't have freedom. You better get here. You better do the stuff. You better start the stuff. You better try harder. You better put God first. Oh, you can't do this. Oh, you did that. No freedom. But because God gives us freedom... In the same way, we have the ability to choose 
to believe, to choose to love, to choose to express who he is and who we truly are as holy people, the same exact paradox, bad things happen. Started in the garden. He created Adam and Eve, set stuff up, told them to name some animals and stuff, just hang out and, and you know, have sex and stuff. You know, enjoy each other. <laughs> Be fruitful and multiply. But by that same freedom, they decided to no longer believe that they had all the knowledge that they needed. They wanted the knowledge of good and evil. That is the number one temptation of the body of Christ today, to know what the knowledge of good and evil is. But at that time, sin entered this realm. At that time, you were inside Adam's scrotum. No other way to say that. You inherited the sin of Adam by no fault of your own. But we see in the same way in Romans chapter 5, God showed his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. While we were still sinners, while we were still unbelievers, while we were still in Adam without spiritual life, Christ died for us. Romans 5, chapter 8. And through this, Romans 5, verse 8. And in the same way that it was not your fault that that happened, In the same way, it is not Jesus's fault that what happened to him happened. So by no work of your own, you can receive the righteousness of Jesus Christ through belief. Through simply believing that Christ is the Messiah, I need forgiveness, I need life. You receive it. Your old self dies. Romans 6, Colossians 2, Galatians 2. Dead. You're dead. Your, your spiritually dead person is even more dead. <laughs> you have been crucified with Christ. Your old self died. You don't have to deny yourself after salvation. You need to be yourself. But God loved you so much, he sent the Messiah to do what only the Messiah can do in order to save you from your sins. So the reason why we can celebrate the birth of Jesus is because... God loved us so much. We see this in 1 John 4.10. This is love, John says. Not that we loved God, but God loved us so much that he sent his son as a propitiation. There's that word propitiation again. You got propitiation in 1 John 2.2. You got propitiation in 1 John 4.10. What is this propitiation? The word propitiation means satisfying sacrifice. The sin that you were born into, as well as the sin that you would express, had to be dealt with. The only way you could deal with it is not through your repentant behavior or confession, but through death. Jesus died. He is the propitiation. So now God deals with you not on the basis of your sin, but on your one-time belief in his son. Will you believe in him? If you will believe in him, you can receive that propitiation. It is not a receiving of a repeated propitiation. You've received it. You're a new creation. So now you have God's divine nature. You want to express him. That could only happen if God loved the world so much. 
while we were still sinners, not that we were loving God, that he would send his son as a propitiation for sins. That's why we celebrate. (laughs) And those things could not happen unless the birth of Jesus happened. All right, let's go on to number three. Why do we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate Christmas because we are celebrating the birth of Jesus. And here's the third reason why we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We celebrate the birth of Jesus because God wanted to show us what he was like in person. Have you ever heard somebody describe somebody else? You you got a good friend or not even your friend, just somebody you know, and they're talking about somebody else and they're describing this person to you. You think you know everything about this person (laughs) based on this individual talking to you about that person. But then you meet that person that they described and that person is absolutely nothing like what they described. (laughs) They lied. (laughs) They misrepresented who that person was. Well, this happened. Calm down, McMillan. This happened with God. (laughs) This happened with God. You got, mm, I'm triggered right now. You've got, calm down. Let me count down. (laughs) <laughs> 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. I learned this in counseling. 5, 4, 3, 2, and we're back. Trigger is gone. <laughs> Sometimes I ignore the trigger. You guys can't tell I'm triggered. <clears throat> but when you're triggered, pump your brakes. (laughs) I don't always take my own advice, but this irks me because here I am doing a walk talk on a Sunday. Somebody is talking about me in their sermon somewhere or what I'm talking about. I've, I'm not even going to give them the attention, (laughs) but people misrepresent me. People misrepresent other people who stick to the truth of the new covenant. (coughs) People misrepresent lots of people. The same thing happened to our very creator. That is why Jesus had to be born so that you know that is God. That is what God looks like. That is what God acts like. That is what God says. That is what God enjoys. That is what God doesn't enjoy. This is how God talks to these people. This is how God does this. All of that is God. The father was not flesh. God was never flesh until Jesus. You know, before Jesus came, excuse me, guys, before Jesus came, God spoke through a bush. That's not a human. God spoke through a donkey. (coughs) Excuse me. That's not a human. God spoke through prophets. Prophets were people who were mis- pe- people who were representing him. They were human, but it still wasn't God in them permanently. Hebrews chapter 1 says, In the past, God spoke through the prophets. Now that Christ has come, he speaks through his son. Where is his son? Here. Who is his son? The word. Who is the word? The spirit of the... Mm, calm down. Ooh. Give me a minute. (coughs) I guess this irks me so much because there are so many people out there, Christians even, 
who they know these things about Jesus. They know about their complete forgiveness. They know about their complete righteousness because he has written on them. But they go to locations and those locations say the opposite of that. Or individual people who are claiming to represent God say the opposite of that. Write books on that. Have podcasts on that. Ignore everything of what the Spirit is saying in you. The truths of the new covenant. Your complete forgiveness. Your complete righteousness. Everything that Christ has is yours. You don't want to sin. But when you sin, you're forgiven. You want to express the fruit of the Spirit. You're not trying hard to express any fruit. You rest because you're a branch. All of these truths. People misrepresent God. And it started even before Christ came. This is why Jesus... (laughs) He didn't pick that group. He picked the the non-formally, I shouldn't even say formal. Well, they did have formal education back then, according to the Torah. They picked the fishermen. They picked the regular people. They did it. He didn't pick the people going around in flowing robes who could quote the Talmud and the Torah. He did not pick them. He called them snakes. He called them a whitewashed tomb. You look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead bones. Your father is the devil. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you you find your life, but you don't. I am the very one that these scriptures are talking about, and you refuse to come to me to have life. I never knew you. Did we not, Lord? Not, not, you didn't do it in my name. You're a false prophet. Why? Because you you misrepresent God. But not only that, you do not, you could easily misrepresent God in error or by mistake. But when you are misrepresenting God and you are refusing to trust Jesus, that is a grave mistake. Christ came to literally say the words. The word was saying words to these people who were misrepresenting him. And he was saying, You will here depart from me. You do not know me. I do not know you. Your father is the devil. And this is the religious group. The only one of these religious people who came to him was Nicodemus. And when did he do it? Under the cloak of night so his religious buddies didn't see him. Hopefully Nick believed. But even Nick, when he met with Jesus... He, he, he knows that Jesus is special. <laughs> you couldn't do these things unless you were from God. <laughs> Got to be born of the Spirit. And the only way you can do that, Nick, is to trust me. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Well, how do I go back to my mother's womb? You're still not getting it. I'm talking about your spirit. But he was looking to tradition of men rather than faith alone in the Messiah. He was looking to religion, going to a place of worship. All of this error, all of this passed down tradition of men and still refusing to believe Whether he did believe again, I don't know. But Jesus is laying out, this is the way you are saved. Believe me. 
Some people say, well, Jesus never said he's God, blah, blah. Matthew one twenty three says he is Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. So if you want to say Jesus is not God, he was what, whatever, you're going to hear, depart from me. You're a false prophet. You must say he is the Messiah. He is the only way to the Father. He is the only way to receive forgiveness of sins. He is the only way to receive complete righteousness, sanctification, justification, glorification. The only way you could do that is to trust in him one time in your life. It is not an ongoing anything. It is you are dead, you're reborn, and now you're stuck in this shell until you're 80. And there's nothing wrong with your shell either. Philip said in John 14, show us the Father. That'll be enough, Jesus. Just show us the Father. Jesus was disappointed in Philip. All this time I've been with you. If you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. The Father is not flesh. I am flesh. The only way he could become flesh is to be born. That is why Christmas is so special. Because we are trusting in God in the flesh. Some people will attempt to say, oh no, he told the rich young ruler, nobody's good but God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can read that one way. Or you can read it a different way. Go read it again. Is he describing himself? Or isn't he? He is good. He is God. Repent from the law. The rich young ruler is bragging on everything he had. Great health and wealth and outward appearance of righteousness. Why? I've done all this stuff from my youth. Oh, you lack one thing. He would not trust in the very Messiah who was standing in front of him. And Jesus loved him. And he loved him. He said, now you believe in me. It's, it's not your choice anymore. You're, it's too late. You have just believed in me. I'm forcing you. No, he said, no one's good but God. He's given him the opportunity. Who do you say that I am? He's God. He is the Messiah. He is God in the flesh. He is God with us. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Philip, all this time, all this stuff you've seen me do, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Don't get it, God. <laughs> he was thinking with his human brain and not realizing, oh my gosh, <laughs> I finally get it. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Born in hiding. Born to say, I'm not getting emotional today. <laughs> Hold on. When you make a big deal of what Jesus has done, 
your life will change. And he couldn't have done what he did <laughs> unless he was first born. That's why we celebrate. We celebrate Christmas because of the birth of Jesus. We celebrate the... We, uh, whew, I didn't expect it. <gasps> we celebrate because God so loved us that he gave I guess I'm on a ball <laughs> he gave he gave us God did not have to give us his son the word did not have to become flesh He didn't have to pay the penalty. But he did because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of Lights. And that good and perfect gift is Jesus Christ. And he saved the world from their sins. <laughs> By becoming sin, and that could not happen unless he was given to us first. Okay, I think I'm back. Oh, I'm typically pretty stoic on this stuff. But if it wasn't for Jesus being born, I would not be forgiven. I would not be righteous. Same for you. You... And Jesus are one. You want to express Jesus. You want to be yourself. There's no battle. There is complete compatibility now. Complete compatibility with God because Jesus Christ was born. This event of him being born changed the timeline of humanity. We, even unbelievers, they go by B.C. <laughs> and A.D., when was that? <laughs> Even unbelieving historians will admit Jesus lived. So the, the group who says, oh, he wasn't even a real person. Yeah, he lived. <laughs> unbelieving historians will say that Jesus did live, whether they believe in him for salvation and new life and righteousness and everything else. That's a whole nother story. But he lived. So we can't say that he didn't live. We just have to say, what do you believe? Do you believe that this baby is the son of God? Do you believe that this man is the son of God? Do you believe that this crucified Messiah is the son of God? Do you believe that this resurrected savior is the son of God? If you do, you can celebrate every single day. Every single day is a day of celebration for Jesus being born, living in you, through you, with you. All of the difficulties that you face, he will guide you. When you mess up, he'll say, there's nothing wrong with you. We're, we're going to do some different things next time. Listen to me. <laughs> oh. So why do we celebrate Christmas? Because we celebrate Jesus. Every day. Not just on Christmas. 
all right guys all right so i hope this has encouraged you today i hope it's brought to light <laughs> still a little emotional <sighs> hope this has encouraged you today <laughs> i hope it's brought to light maybe some truth maybe some error about you what you've been taught but you should always tell the truth about yourself what's the truth you're righteous you're holy you're blameless you're a new creation you're a child of god there's nothing wrong with you and you are awesome so always tell the truth about yourself always be yourself love y'all merry christmas bye thanks so much for joining me on this walk talk please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content to be encouraged daily you can find me on tiktok instagram and facebook If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.